Would you turn with me in your Bibles? I want to start at the ending for, for today. Um, just as we sang this song, I wanted to end, uh, I wanted to start the message where uh, Paul kind of leaves this one off. Uh, and we're in Romans, the 16th chapter. And I want you to read with me uh, the 20th verse. Paul ends uh, this section in Scripture by saying, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Paul promises there that, that Satan will soon be crushed under the feet of our Lord. The word soon there doesn't mean soon as far as time and a clock is concerned. It means soon as far as sudden is concerned, as uh, uh, just um, a quickness, if you would, Paul assures you and me, all believers in Jesus Christ, that we can look forward to that day when our spiritual warfare will suddenly and finally be over with. Amazing grace. How sweet that sound. That saved a wretch like me. Once was lost, now I'm found. The essence of Scripture, as we've been studying it, has been this whole issue of, of trying to find and understand the Word of God, trying to make sense of it. There are far too many churches. As a matter of fact, I got blessed beyond, beyond any blessing today. Uh, one young man came up to me. Um, I guess, yeah, young. He, I can't tell anymore. 30s, 40s. And um, said, I've been looking for a place like this. been looking for a church. So I have led a Bible study in my work. I led a Bible study in my home. I've been trying to find a church that wants to teach the Word of God. So I'm coming back. Folks, um, that's the essence of what our church is about. The, the church that you and I want to worship in is a church that honors the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our might. And that we place Him above any and everything else that we do or everything and anything else that we would ever want to do. And here in this message, Paul just knocks it right out of the ballpark. In the midst of what Paul has been saying, well wishes, just encouraging those in the church in Rome, those that came from Corinth, those that were still in Rome, He's praising those who have brought peace and love and harmony and unity and faithfulness along with an untiring work ethic to build up the body of Christ, to build the foundation of our Lord's church. And in the midst of saying that to these people, if you remember chapter 16, verses 1 through 16, he stops and as he's want to do, he stops to give a warning against those who might come against the very teaching of the Word of God. Now it is, it is almost like Paul is saying over and over and over again, just beware, be careful. And, and I, I, I said in the first service, and I say to you, this isn't a message that I would normally give to us as a church. If I were to do topically, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't want to give this message because this church, in my opinion, is hitting on every single cylinder. We are doing God's work. We, we have people who are tirelessly working for the Lord, people who are serving here, people who come here with a great attitude. Our music is just off the charts, in my opinion. It's just, 
This would not be a message I would normally give if I were not preaching through the Bible as I do. And because I preach through the Bible as I do, I'm not going to avoid this. Obviously, there is a reason for it. And I believe I understand it now more than when I first started this this day and a half, last night and this morning. And I believe that Paul stops to caution the church against those who might do it harm. And I don't believe that is here in our church at this time at all. But he says, read with me please, verses 17 to verse 20. He says in verse 17, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissension and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you have learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Then he says in verse 19, The report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I am rejoicing over you. But I want you to be wise in what is good. I want you to be innocent in what is evil. And then as we just read a little while ago, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Father, we want to grab a hold of the very essence of Paul. And Father, we follow your Bible. We follow the way you you lead us. We we don't go here and there and haphazardly go through the Bible. We, We go through it line upon line. And so there must be a reason, Father. And I believe you revealed that, at least to my heart, last service. And I pray that we can do the same this. I pray that you would open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come through your law. And then, Father, I also pray that you would move me aside so that I do not hinder what you would want to say to each and every single one of us here this morning. Father, we are honored, honored beyond measure to be in your presence, honored beyond measure to worship you this, this hour. We are honored to be able to sing praises to your name and now stop, Father, and, and study the very words that you gave to the Apostle Paul to give to us so that we would be as faithful to them as you would, you would desire us to be. And Father, may we lean upon you in all things. Let us not lean upon our own understanding, but Father, let us trust in you for all things. And now, Father, bless us. Bless every single person here, Father. I, I pray you, you, you just would, Father. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. There is an emphasis throughout the New Testament, uh, especially by Paul, concerning the importance of maintaining unity within the body of Christ. I do not believe that is a problem here at all, at all. And so I would not normally stop and say, well, this is a message for us. This is, this is there's some dissension going on in the ranks. There isn't. This church is, is as I said, hitting, in my opinion, on every cylinder. It's doing what God has called us to do. But but Paul stops in the middle of complimenting the people in Rome. He says, I want to stop all dissension, all factions, all hindrances, and it has to be brought to a stop through the teaching of the Word of God. And I believe that's the message. The message for this service is the teaching of the Word of God. It must be It must be brought before the congregation. It must be brought before the people. You and I must conform our lives into the image of Jesus Christ. And the only way that you and I can do that is by a consistent study of the Word of God. 
This, is, this must be everything to you and me. And that, I believe, is what Paul is trying to say. You see, true faith, true love, is ready to forgive at all costs. Forgive anyone, anything, just forgive. But true love and true faith never condones, nor does it ever ignore sin or evil. And true unity, true love, true faith within the church will always find its roots centered upon the biblical teaching of the Word of God. This is what Paul says. This is how you are to stop all hindrances, he says, or any dissensions, he says. Don't allow anyone to take you away from the, the, the Word of God that you have been taught by him. And so we, we cling to that here in this church. God says that the one that causes division, the one that upsets people's faith are those that go against the apostolic teachings that was passed on to us from the apostles, from, from, uh, from our Lord Jesus Christ to us today. No church should vary from that. That has not been any church's responsibility to try to figure out what is, needs to be said. God has already given us an outline. He has already told us what we are to say to one another, how we are to understand one another. And so when God's word is ever attacked, it is our duty as a group of believers to stand against that attack, to stand firmly upon the truth of the written word of God. And so it seems out of nowhere, out of nowhere, Paul brings in verses 17 and 18. Necessary to, he believes, to insert a caution against Anyone that would go against God's word. And so it's not a decide. It's not, and by the way, it's not like something that says, well, God forbid, God forbid that I do this. God forbid that I, I vary from the truth of the word of God. But if I do, no matter how I might be liked or, or respected or whatever, I must be stopped. And if it takes someone big like, like, like Anthony and, and big guys to come up here and pull me out of the pulpit, you must do that. You cannot, we cannot allow the Word of God to be taught with, that is not pure and is, and, is, and, and is honest as we know how to teach it. And so it's not who's in authority. It's not who's liked or not liked. It's not even their position within the church. No, what Paul is saying Anyone who is responsible for dividing the body are to be judged by the word of God. In other words, the judge for us at this church is not the person. It's not the position that they hold. It's not their popularity. No, the judge is always the truth of God's word. And I believe that's what Paul is warning to the people. And so, you see, no true love, true love, I should say it this way, true love is is something that you and I must strive for, whether it be husbands to wives or wives to husbands, whether it be parents to their children or children to their parents, whether it be the pastor to the congregation, the congregation to the pastor, or you, the congregation with one another. We are to do what is good for the body of Christ. And what Paul is saying here is that we cannot go contrary to the teaching which we have learned. That is what is best for you and me. To be obedient to the Word of God, no matter the cost. Every single one of us, every single one in this church, this body of believers, is to fall under that scrutiny. It must be done to stay true 
to the Word of God. Paul, therefore, demonstrates his love for the church in Rome by expressing his admiration for those who have, who have fulfilled such a great responsibility in this church. He then gives them caution. Caution, he says in verse 17, look, it's really wonderful. He says, keep your eye on those who cause dissension and hindrances. Keep your eye, in the Greek is S-K-O-P-E-O. It means to look and to observe with intensity. In other words, to examine what is being said by others that might be contrary to what we have been taught by the apostles out of the Word of God. By the way, let me say this. The word S-K-O-P-E-O, carrying the idea of looking and observing with intensity, does not, when he talks about dissension and hindrances, he's not talking about hair-splitting disputes or going after a witch hunt or minor interpretations from the Bible or someone who is younger, immature in their faith, who are divisive because of personal preferences. Those things, Paul says, can be ironed out. Paul says in Titus chapter 3, verse 9, we are to avoid foolish controversies. We are to avoid genealogies and strife and disputes about the law. Why? Because he says they are unprofitable. They are worthless. He says in 2 Timothy 2, 23, don't go against ignorant speculations. They will only produce quarrels. No, what Paul is talking about here is something immeasurably more important, more serious within the body of Christ. He is a warning about those who challenge or undermine the teaching that you and I have learned. That is the divine, revealed, apostolic truth of the Word of God. And so he says in verse 17, keep your eye on this. Keep your eye on these people who, that means to examine and, and and see if they don't measure up. And then if they do not, and they consistently do not, then he says, turn away from them. No church can rightly claim unity in Christ if they are not unified over what is taught out of the Word of God. I want to show you something really interesting um, when Paul, turn to, you, to your right, you're in, you're, in, you're in the last page of the book of Romans. The next book is 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then Galatians. Turn to Galatians. It's the third book to your right. By the way, if, um, if you do not have a Bible, we want you to have a Bible here at this church. If you do not have a Bible, and right now because of, of whatever is going on in your life, you can't afford it, please come see me. We want to give you a Bible. We want you to have your own Bible so that you can hold it in your lap, so that you might be able to, if you so desire, mark it up, kind of put down question marks and things. For for instance, what it's worth, I mark all my Bible up with pencil because when I find that I've made an error, it's, I can erase it and, and, and I can correct my error. But But I would really encourage you to have your own Bible. If you do not, we want to give you one. So come and see me, please, if you... If you would. And so he says in Galatians, when Paul wrote to that church, he administered to them for three years. He administered to them, pouring out his heart upon them. And then he was going to leave. And as he was about to leave, he said in verse 6 of Galatians chapter 1, he says, I am amazed. He says, I am astonished. I am flabbergasted, he said. 
that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. But, as he's going to explain in a moment, there isn't a different gospel. There is but one gospel. You and I have but one truth that we must understand. And that is that Jesus Christ lived, claimed to be God in human flesh, went to the cross and died upon a sin, shed His blood for us, died and was buried. Three days later, He rose from the dead, never to die again, to give everlasting life to any and every one of us who would just believe in Him. That's the Gospel. And so Paul says, I am amazed, I am astonished. You are so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different Gospel. Then he emphasizes the gravity of the danger of following after different teaching or teachers. Look what he says in verse 7, which he reminds them, is not is really not another. In other words, there is no gospel but one gospel. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now, let's see just how serious Paul is upon those who desire to distort the gospel. Look what he says in verse 8. I love verse 8. Paul says, If we, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. You know what that word accursed means? I'll tell you how serious Paul is. Paul says that person should go to hell. He is to be cursed into hell itself. So he says in verse 9, as we said before, in other words, maybe you didn't hear me clearly. Let me repeat I say to you again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. In other words, he is to be cast into hell. I'm telling you, Paul is as serious about the written word of God as a heart attack. And that's very serious, folks. I tell you, I feel the same as Paul about this. I want, the, I want the very Word of God to be protected and to be preached to you at all costs. I want you to hear the Gospel so that you understand how it is that God wants you to live, how it is that God wants you to conform into the image of His Son. I want that for you as desperately as I want that for myself. Now, don't move away from Galatians chapter 1. Let's, let's see how Paul finishes up this whole idea. He says, For am I now... Seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I was striving to prove, or if I was still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ, he says. For what I, for I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which has been preached by me is not according to men. For I never received it from man, nor was I taught it by man. I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, what I am giving to you was given to me by our Lord, which the Lord did after the road to Damascus, taught Paul personally. And Paul is passing along what God gave him to the congregation. And by the grace of God, I take that same responsibility. I hold that same responsibility as gently and as firmly as anybody can hold it because I want to do the same for you as I do for myself. I want us to understand the Word of God. I want us to understand what it is we believe. I want you to know with all of your heart that two and two are four. Not three and a half or five and a quarter. 
two and two are four. I want you to understand what it is that God is saying to you. And the only way that we can is by holding truthfully to the word of God. And so Paul says, I want you to stay away from anyone that might be hindering that within your life. The right response that you and I should have to a false teacher is not to debate or dialogue with them unless you've gone to seminary and you've been taught extensively in the art of of apologetics where you can argue your faith. Rather, Paul says, if you are not, then you are simply to turn away from them. Let me give you a clue or a hint. I've said this before, so this isn't anything new. But, But the cults that come to your door and want to tell you about what they believe. I wouldn't allow them to say a word if I were you. Here's what I do. You can take it for what it's worth. They come to my door. You can spot them like you can see them. I mean, there they are. So I, I ask them to wait. I never invite them in because I've not invited them to my house. They've come to my house. So I say, well, can you wait here for a moment? I go and get my Bible. And we go and we sit on the steps of the porch. And I said, I really appreciate you guys being here. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And so I said, now I want to tell you about my Savior. And they said, well, we've come here to... And I said, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear why you've come here. You've come to my house. And I have a piece of paper and a pencil and I hand it to him. And I says, give me your phone number and give me your address. And I'll come over when I want to hear all about what you have to tell me about your faith. But since you've come to my house, you're going to hear about my Savior. And I tell them about Jesus Christ. I've never had, not one time have I had anyone leave me their phone number or their address. Never. And we talk. And anytime they want to put in what they want to say, I said, no, this is, I'm, with all due respect, I do not want to hear from you right now. I'll come visit you. You want to listen to about Jesus Christ, the true living God. Didn't I take them to places like First John chapter 5 and, and different places that, that verify that Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is? But that's neither here nor there. What is here, though, is I do not encourage us to listen to those that come to our doors and to debate with them. I'd rather just tell them of your faith if they won't listen than turn them away. You and I have been called to reject false teachers. Ultimately, we have been called as a body of believers to protect, especially new converts, but to protect one another. To, to protect those who are immature in their faith from being deceived or confused or misled. Paul says about younger believers, they are like children that are tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and by the craftiness and deceitful schemings. That's Ephesians 4.14. We are to hold the people that come to this church, we are to hold you in the very palms of our hands, if you would, in this gentle trying to nurture you to come to Christ. I had this one friend of mine that came to our church over and over and over again. His wife never came. She went to a very liberal, liberal, um, spiritual experience she went. And he talked her into coming once. She came because he loved it. She came. He told me what she said, which I appreciate he did. He said, she doesn't want to come back. And I said, well, why? What happened? He says, she said, it's just a Bible study. I said, yeah, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. Church is not supposed to be where you and I get these ideas about the life we're living in, all this, that, and the other. We've been, we've been called to come to church to learn about our Savior, to learn about the Word of God, 
how we are to live our lives through this and to be conformed into His image. That's the reason we come to church. There isn't isn't an agenda that a church should have other than teaching the Word of God. Do you want to know everything else that we do here is fluff? It's fluff. It's like whipping cream on a a beautiful uh, apple pie. I mean, I, I never, well, ice cream, I will have an apple pie. I'll give you that. But, but I want the apple pie. I don't want the fluff. And when you come to church, that's what you should desire. You should desire the teaching of the Word of God because it will change and move your heart. It will make you into the type of person that God has created you to be. And so Paul is saying, be on guard. Keep your eye out for those that might want to take you away from that. Remember when we taught last week when, when Paul was going from Ephesus to, to Jerusalem and we were talking about that holy kiss. Remember that at all? About giving someone a holy kiss. Okay. I don't want to bring that back up again. But Paul, in the same incident, was, was leaving Ephesus and he was going to Jerusalem and the men were just weeping over him. They were not going to be able to see him again and they so longed to see him. In that same chapter, in Acts chapter 20, In verse 27 to 32, Paul told the elders, I did not shrink away from teaching you the whole purpose of the Word of God. In other words, I taught you the Bible word upon word, line upon line. Every purpose of this, he says, I did not shrink away from declaring to you the Word of God. Then he said in the next verse, Be on guard for yourselves and for the flock. In other words, be on guard for yourselves and the people within the church. Because among you, he says, no, he says, you are, are the the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, he said, verse 29, I'm in Acts chapter 20. I probably didn't ask you to turn there. I'm sorry. Acts chapter 20, I'm in verse 29 now. He says, I know this. After my departure, Paul says, when I leave, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, in other words, people within your own congregation, men will rise speaking perverse things to draw the disciples after them. In other words, to draw them away from the truth of the word of God. Therefore, he says, verse 31 of Acts chapter 20, be on the alert. In other words, keep your eyes open. Remember, he said, that night and day, for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Paul poured his heart out on those people. I get that. I'm not Paul, but I understand pouring your heart out upon a group of people that you love with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might. I love you folks so much. And so he says, I commend you now to God and I commend you to the word of His grace. You see, Paul commended the people to this, the word. He said, I commend you, I give you to God and I give you to the word. The word was everything to Paul. It should be everything to you and me. The word which is able, he says, to build you up. The word does. The Word which is able to give you an inheritance. The Word does. It gives you everlasting life. And the Word which gives, which allows you to be sanctified, set apart from the normal crowd. Set apart from those 
that are not true believers. Now back to Romans chapter 16. Let's kind of wrap this up. We have about 10 more minutes. In verse 18, Paul gives two reasons for turning away from false teachers. They're very simple. They're, they're very easy to follow. And in truth, they're very easy to spot. First reason is their motives are wrong. He says in verse 18, such men are slaves, not slaves of Jesus Christ. We are to be slaves of our Lord, but they are slaves to their own appetites. False teachers are not concerned for the cause of Christ. They're not concerned for the church that God has given us to take care of. No, they are driven by, you name it, whatever their appetite might be. It could be financially gains. could be self-gratification. could be fame, power. I don't know. You probably could think of more than I. Something that drives a person. Such people, Paul warns in Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, are enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. Their end, he says, is destruction. And Jude, Jude is so poetic. Jude is just one chapter, but verses 12 and 13, listen to, listen to, to Jude's way of putting things about false teachers. He says, false teachers are clouds without water. He says, they are autumn trees without fruit. They are doubly dead, he says, uprooted. They are cast upon their own shame like foam and of the ocean. They are wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. False teachers. You and I can normally spot a false teacher by, by their view of the Bible. They normally give out man's ideas about God rather than God's revelation to man. That's why we study the Bible as we do here. We study the Bible here so that we don't go off on some tangent upon what we think the Bible ought to say. We, we do not try to give you an idea and then let's say, God, come. This is what we're going to do. Come bless us. No, what we try to do is say, God, where are you going so that we can follow you? We want to follow you. We don't want to have our revelation about man, about God. We want God revealing himself to us. And the only way he can do that is by his written word. So he reveals to you and me what it is he wants you to know about spiritual matters. It's not that, it's not, it's not uh, brain surgery. It's, 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 it's following the very word of God. And so those that want to give you their idea about God will distort the word of God to twist and to fit into their own agenda. We don't do that here. That's why I said to you a few weeks back, we, we spoke on giving. Remember? Maybe you don't. But we spoke on giving. I don't even know if it was a few weeks. It could have been months. I don't know. But I told you when we were through that, I'm not going to be, we didn't need to be talking about giving. Things were going fairly well. Everything was going smoothly for us as a church. But we spoke on it because it was in the Bible. It was where we were in Scripture. And I told you then that we wouldn't speak on giving again until we come unto it again. And that's the truth. We follow what the Bible asks us to do. We want to follow the Bible. We don't fit God into our plan. We fit into God's purpose for life. And we try to follow Him the best we know how. And so uh, normally a false teacher will, 
will try to distort the word of God. The second thing they'll be is deceitful and cunning. It says in verse 18 that by their smooth and flattering speech, they will deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, false apostles, deceitful workers will disguise themselves as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he says, no wonder, no wonder, he says, even Satan himself disguised himself as an angel of light. Paul then compliments the believers. He is saying you can spot someone by their motives and by their flattery speech. I can honestly tell you, I mean no disrespect, but I've never once, never once preached a a message that I wanted you to really love. I've always and only preached a message that I wanted my Lord and Savior to say, well done. It's the only reason I study. It's the only reason I try to get things correct here. It's the only reason I try to give you the truth. I do not want to please as much as I love you, and I love you more than you'll ever know. But I'm not here to please you. I'm here called by God to please God through the message of God. And that's the purpose of of what a what a, a person ought to try to do as far as teaching. Well, let's get to the end of this. We're, we're almost done. In verse 19, Paul then compliments the believers. Look what he says in chapter 16, verse 19. He says, the report of your obedience has reached to everyone. I, that's what I hear about here. The, did I tell you already that in the first service, a, a young man came to me? Did I say that already? In the, yeah, I thought so. That's what happens when I go off of my notes. Um, just heard about us last night two different couples came that just heard about us wanted to find out about our church paul says in verse 19 the report of your obedience and i say this to you as a body of believers church the report of your obedience has reached to all therefore paul says i am rejoicing over you and i concur with paul i rejoice but then note what he says here Note how Paul adds to that in verse 19. But but he says, I want you to be wise in what is good, and I want you to be innocent in what is evil. See, Paul knew that even most faithful, obedient believers can fall prey to Satan's trap. You and me. And so he wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, I want you to constantly abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. In other words, don't give Satan a foothold in your life. Be wise in what is good, folks. Be innocent in what is evil. You might want to ask how. Good question. Let's close with this. You can, you can uh, turn with me in your Bibles, please, to... You're in 1 Corinthians. I mean, you're right. It should be. Right now we're in the end of Romans. Turn to the right. Go past 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and then Galatians, Ephesians, and turn to Philippians, the fourth chapter. Let's close with this thought. How do we do what is good? How are we wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil? Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, it's one of my favorite places in the Word of God. I want to read you just two verses. Verses 8 and 9. Finally, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, 
whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. You know what these things are in verse 8? It's a picture of Jesus Christ. Because only He truly is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute, excellent, worthy of our praise. That's only Jesus Christ. Let your mind dwell on these things. And then he said in the next verse, and the things that you have, how's it go? Learned, received, heard, and seen in me, do what? What? Pardon me? Practice them. Practice. It doesn't come automatic. What you learn today, take it and practice. If there's something that you learned, take it with you and practice it. And then he says, the God of peace shall be with you. Practice these things. Understand what the Lord is saying to you. The only way you'll be able to practice what is in here is to understand what is written in here. That's why we study here as we do. We want you to get a a picture of what Jesus Christ is saying to you as an individual. How does He want you to live your life? We want you to know it by His Word, not ours. And when you hear His Word, then we want you to practice these things. Practice them. And the God of peace shall be with you. Father, we can't ask for anything more than that. To think that you would be with us, bring us your peace. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Would that be true to every single one of us here? Lord, I want to thank you for Paul. I love him so much, Father. I love the fact that he stopped in the middle of complimenting this church and said, beware, beware, and keep your eye out for those that might be causing any problems. And Father, I pray the same thing for us, although right now, Lord, thank you for this church. We're very, very, we're blessed, Father. We are blessed. And so I pray that you'll continue to bless us, but more importantly, more importantly, I pray that we'll continue to bless you, Father. It's our purpose for living. Now, take us as wherever we may go from here and allow this day to be very special, Father. Thank you so much for your goodness. In Jesus' precious name, thank you. Amen.